0: Welcome to Voice of Evolution Radio: Conversations that awaken, inspire, and activate. With producer and host Linda Lombardo. Welcome to Voice of Evolution Radio. I'm Linda Lombardo, producer and host. My guest today is Azul Valerie Tomei, whose work is revealed to us as Soul Land, a response to our traumatized, collapsing, and transforming world. This is from Azul's website. It is the vision of Soul Land to give sanctuary to those who are discouraged. The activists, healers, artists, the therapists, people of the land and waters. Those of us who facing the insurmountable often find ourselves in the well of depression or worse of apathy without being able to articulate what it is we need, the language of soul. Welcome Azul to Voice of Evolution Radio.
1: Thank you, Linda. Thank you for inviting me.
0: It's such a pleasure to have you here. It's taken us a long time to get together. I'm so delighted we have, and hopefully there's more to come.
1: Mm, I hope so, too.
0: I wanted to begin with my own curiosity about this work that you do and this life that is yours to live. Because for many of us, it's not the traditional path, even though it's a very ancient path, I believe. I personally did not come from a lineage of deep connection, and I believe, like so many others, we lean into your work as as something that sometimes we, we get a glimpse of, sometimes we can very briefly touch. It is something, I believe, that stirs a deep longing in our souls and in our bones, and yet it often feels so elusive to so many of us. And so my curiosity begins about this path that you're on, and where did that begin? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Where did that begin? Every time you ask me, I'm going to have a different answer. I'll, I'll just keep asking you that. Yeah. So <laughs> because suddenly I'm like, okay, so 200,000 years ago, you know, something happened. So yeah, I can answer a question very differently, whether I answer from my own personal story or... Part of Anima Mundi, which is the soul of the earth. There's also an answer through my cultures. I'm half Lebanese, half French. You know, I've been nomadic for years now, just following the next uh, calling, uh, the next things that seem to make sense, like an old... There is an old song, like something, and I follow... um, I'm a tracker of soul, in a way, somehow. Uh, I've been wanting or needing or longing to make sense to this life. And the first time, I can't remember exactly the first time, but a long, long time ago, I came across poetry, and I came across artists, and I came across people like eccentrics and gypsies and travelers. And, and I remember even as, as a child, how alive I felt and how far away it was from my own life. I lived in cities, Paris, Beirut, London. Yeah. Ah, and I wasn't well, I was very unwell. And because being an artist, which essentially that's what I am. I also design rituals and I'm a grief worker and tender and I, you do different things, but essentially I'm an artist. And that's not an easy world to be in for artists. So I fell into massive depression and suicidal attempts and broken hearts, sense of being ostracized from the human tribe. And then, you know, you meet people that write books or that particular book or that particular poem, and they offer you a gold thread for some sanity. I go, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, there are people that resonate like my heart and my soul do. Let me find them. So I went on a search and find a few of them. And I'm so grateful. Yeah, that's kind of one thread of this big tapestry of answers. When we, of course, in our Western world, it seems like we are so immediately pathologized and Medicated and locked in and separated, and something like that, which happened to me. And then it doesn't resonate with the practice of soul, which is about being offered a community to care for you, or being offered songs to sing to remind you of who you really are, or to be offered words to call for an initiation and a rite of passage. Because that's really what it's called for. Usually, when there's a certain level of depression or a, 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 a ease or is there often is a time of threshold, where actually uh, we're perhaps needing uh, a yeah a kind of initiation. So there's two things that soul does: is relearning the word, the language of soul. So when we are in those states, we can ask for what we want with the words of poetry, of myth, of metaphors, of, you know, the most exquisite. Uh, We can talk about our grief with language, all this. And then there's the other thing, which is, even when we ask then the elders are not there to hear us. So that's another poverty we have. So it's for us now to become the elders. So when people learn the the language of soul, and they can ask and say, or they maybe sometimes cannot ask, but the elders look at someone and say, okay, it is time. It is time for them to go to the river. It's time for them to go to the mountains. It's time for them to let go and die a little, to go through a small death of their old identity and be taken to the next place. Because their maturity and their ripening is so essential to our community. So then we take people and they have initiation and then they come back with the gifts for us, the community. Because we can't do this on our own. So this is part of what Souland is longing to do is to learn the language of soul and to do everything that I can, we can, to support the maturation of soul. It's
0: very powerful work and very needed work. I think about the separateness that appears to be everywhere in the world. Maybe it feels heightened in the Americas right now, in the United States. And we've lost our soul in so many ways, or we've lost sight of it, and we've lost track of it because I don't believe we ever really lose yes. it. Like our keys, we put them someplace <laughs> safe and just can't remember where that is. And I think we follow a story, many of us, that was handed down to us by those who were not in deep connection. And we're disheartened and lost because. Those stories may not be working for many of us, and we don't know what else to do. We don't know how to go back and find that soul. Where did we put it? We going to find it in the dishwasher or are we going to find it in a you know in a closet somewhere and I think soul work is so critically important to us right now, and it would open doors and possibility to so many other things real world story things that we are struggling with and challenged with if only we could find that approach
1: mm. so when you spoke a few things came up for me about so soul land is making the world of our longing and i've been pondering on on this sentence for months because you know that's what Soul does. She offers things, it falls on your lap or it gathers in your eyes. And then we work with it. You know, you work with it. It's like a craft. And you just ask, ask. Ooh, so I've been asking about these questions constantly, making the world of your longing. So with circles that I run and people I work with, I've been really interested in the world longing, which you have been mentioning. And to me, there is something around being curious about our longing. Because my take on that is, it is the language of soul. That longing shows us what our soul is here for. Now what happens, which I'm observing a lot in myself and in others, is then we often stop there. So longing takes us to a threshold or a gate, beautiful, carved, handmade, painted, mosaic. Yeah, beautiful. Where we have to also meet our wounds and our grief and our beliefs that we're not enough, that we're not, we're broken or we're defective or something. It's often, oh, um, why me? I'm nothing. Why could I do this? You know, or maybe my longing is too small. Or it's too big, or it's too this, or it's too that. So our mind, which is often mad, I think our mind are a bit crazy and a bit frazzled by the world we're living. So we can't really count on the mind so much unless we really practice. So the longing is very embodied. There's something that moves us forward. There's a longing, like you might have a longing, Linda, why are you doing those programs? You know, there's a longing. And then... It brings us to work to do, you know, to, to our healing, to our bringing back home all these parts of us that have been sent into exile. There's a lot of work to do that our longing is bringing with her in her little suitcase. And I see and observe in the language of people that they give up very quickly with their longing. They either don't trust it or don't trust themselves, or don't know how to leave, or think, oh, I'm too needy, or it gets mixed up with things. But actually, a longing, a deep longing, the longing. There is about something for us, but also there is to share. So there's this, yes, it it comes. So there's work, you know, there's many beautiful soul people, like Bill Plotkin, for example, that talks about the sacred wound, being our sacred gift. There's a lot of work on that. There's Michael Mead talks about the genius that we're all born with the genius and etc. There's loads of people that are doing some beautiful work that inspired me greatly. And as I'm mentioning people, uh, you know, Mary Oliver that died and I'm just so grateful to her work. She gives us a key about soul. You know, this is like if we feel we've lost our soul, I would suggest we read poetry, you know. We sit by a river. We have a fire under the stars. We um, touch onto our longing. Even when you watch a film, you can see your longings. Or oh, it doesn't need to be extraordinary. Longings all the time. You watch, you see something in the street, perhaps a family with a child, and you long for a child. So, like, oh well, that's what soul wants you to. Maybe bring a child to the world, or you go to an art exhibition and you just long to make some art. Oh, yeah, okay, that's... And that's not... I don't see it as a selfish something. No. No, I think it's... So making the world of our longing is, let's go through whatever stopping was between our longing and the offering of it, through grief work, through... Many, many different things, initiation, rites of passage, all the language of soul. Soul loves all these things. Art, dance, music, you know. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, she loves that. <laughs> and then let's make it happen. So, you know, I long for an earth's temple. I long for an earth's temple. It took me months to believe that I have a right to bring this to the world, going, who are you? It's so, you know, an architect, da, 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 And then eventually I meet an architect. She makes a drawings. It's out now. We haven't built one. But instead of staying in my grief of not having earth temples and in the anger that perhaps the church took over, da, 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 and we have to be religious to have temples and they've robbed, you know, not to stay stuck in there, and blaming and shaming and pointing fingers and being victimized, blah blah blah. It's, it's not the language of soul. All this. So we go through all that, and then we go. If I long for it, I must give it. There's something there. that can we give what we long for? So that's what soul land is about: is making the world of our longing.
0: And you have certainly created this uh, this beautiful space for that. I just want to mention a few of the things that I know you have manifested or created in the world. And the the grief composting circles, for one, Mm
1: -hmm. message
0: from water, the conversations with grief and water, the earth temples, which I'd love to talk a little bit more about, earth temples on the edges of cities, life cairns for extinction uh, the, the extinction of species, or, or species who have gone extinct,
1: yeah.
0: the wom belts weaving women back into matter. Uh, you know, I'm going through this list of amazing things that you have come come from you, or the ideas have come from you. Returning to Earth, what was stolen, and you know, so much more. You know, you speak of art as a prayer. Which I truly, truly believe in. You speak of men and women as instruments, maybe perhaps of healing, and how more women may be drawn to your um, your offerings. And what does that mean in the world? I whether I'm, whether you're aware or not, I I don't know. I lead forest therapy walks. I have the honor of taking people out into nature to reconnect and and, it, and it's at a very simple level although grief often shows up because there is grief if there is grief in it in a human the trees and the plants and the water notice that and we'll will draw that person to them and inform them in a way of what what that might mean or bring it to the surface for them yeah. To help facilitate some healing. And so I am very curious about anything that connects us. But I'm wondering if any of those are speaking to you right now that you might like to share with us. Where does soul want to take you right now? What's important for us to know? Hmm. So
1: you talked about the message of water. And that is my main guide now, the message brings me back on track, and particularly at the moment that they long for our return. And it's a very different message to us human to hear and especially feel this level of love. You know, I come from an activist background and ecological, I've done a master's on ecological design and all this. They, And there's always a thread of, you know, the earth would be better off without us. And I've never quite felt that to be true. And then when two years ago I received this message of water, which really says to sum up, and I encourage anyone to read it, is that they are not needing us to save them, really, but that they're concerned for our survival and that they long for us to return to the web of life, that we are the one they are waiting for, which is very different from what I've been brought up with, with this Hopi say of we are the one we've been waiting for. Still very human-centered. Mm-hmm. In the, in the, there In is something that still... And so sometimes, even now, you know, feeling this love that, they would fall, they will die, they will go extinct, because they don't resist. And it's for us to look at the brutality and feel that, because the trees are not gonna resist. And you know, I look at Devon, it's very sweet, but it's green deserts, there's hardly any trees left. This land was covered in trees. There's hardly any insects left. The birds are going, you know? so there is this allowing this quality of love from anima mundi from mother earth from pachamama from from this incredible yeah it brings me to tears to to know that a being can love us so much with what we've done and what we're still doing to harm her and I have a deep compassion for us, as well as anger and, you know, heartbreaking. And there's something that's evolved since last year. So last year, I focused a lot on grief, a lot of it on extinction, uh, especially, yeah, other species that is caused by our activities. So we created memorials for them, and I long for a whole mycelium of them to be created because... It also brings us into more mature self, to lean into what we've done and to make amends, not to beat ourselves up, not to swallow into self-guilt, blah, blah. Not that, to go beyond this. Yes, to feel it, to feel the grief, and to look at each other going, we've showed up. And there's a sense of dignity there, of honor, that we need to still feel despite everything, to walk straight. To walk with our spine straight, and to fall on the ground, and to say sorry, and to get up, and say, okay, now what next? You know, what shall we do together to make amends, to restore? So this is what's alive in me. And this year, I see myself having gone through immense grief last year. Like it's, yeah, I was often on the ground. Now there's something different. It's about praise, and about really deepening my capacity for gratitude, uh, to honor the one that are left, because there are still species that need us, that make beauty to make the world of our longing. And I have to say something, because I say it rarely, because this might sound a bit radical, but I... I also live, and the work we do, I'm doing, we're doing, because there's a whole apprentice scheme as well, is imagine we don't have many years to live, okay? What are the choices? And the choice I offer is that even if we have three years, let's say, before it's such a crisis that we'll just see millions of us dis- disappear, which is a massive thing to say, isn't it, so, can we say goodbye? Can we say thank you? for? Can we create earth temples? You know? Can we still plant millions of trees? Can we still clean rivers? Can we still replenish the soil? Can we still do all this for her, for them? Not f- because it's going to make a difference for us, because there's some sort of return, but as um. Majestic and, and divine gesture of gratitude for the ride of these two hundred thousand years of being. You know, sometimes I think we're a soul experiment and we didn't it didn't work out. We didn't learn, we never never could go beyond being a teenager. Mm. So sorry teenagers. I, I don't think we're having a, a, a diff, an easy time. I mean, you know, a dysfunctional <laughs> An unguided, unheld, unloved teenager, to be more precise. Mm. So we trust a place, and now we want to look on a, for another planet. It's really annoying me, profoundly. So that's what's moving through right now, is what can we do to say thanks? Mm. Mm. So
0: many, so many things came up as you were speaking. Mm. Mm. In my own work through Voice of Evolution Radio, my own personal exploration of where we are right now and creating even some speculative fiction around what, Got us here began first with my radio dramas in the soul's waiting room, which later I compiled into a book because I felt the process for me was important, not just the outcome, and that there may be others who would choose to go through the process themselves to really understand what they believe and how their beliefs direct their actions. Even if they were just making it up, because Hmm. our lives are all stories anyway. And so if you're going to make up a story, in the words of of one of my mentors, make it a good one. (laughs) You know, no reason to do otherwise. And so there was a time where I woke up in in the morning or woke up in the middle of the night with this longing to save the world and to save everyone and everything. And that Over time, it was exhausting to begin with, wanting for my voice to be heard and to be heard by so many that there was a, what I'll call a very young soul need to have some kind of importance in the world Mm. that in time revealed itself to be um, probably egotistical in in, in many ways And, and also to be a really false story about why I write and why I care deeply. And there is something that has happened in the last six months or so where the whole world has been slowing down for me. And my art, my voice, my words are to be created, to be spoken, to be... um, to be articulated without the need for someone really to hear me or for anything to come of it, less about outcome and more about the sense of soul and sense of purpose as what I heard you talk about when you were talking about where can we offer gratitude and where can we plant trees for the sake of this world, rather than trying to save ourselves, that being in the moment of this journey may all be legacy work, meaning that mm-hmm. we will never see the outcome. And yet, with our whole hearts and souls, we need to create this work that expresses us. Whether or not, you know, as in so many films, that humanity always manages to survive. I keep wondering because I think art is so evocative of, it's almost a prophecy in some ways for us. The more we watch and we see humanity surviving the, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place here, but <laughs> we, I'm just going to let it flow. the um, The more we see humanity surviving the more apathetic we think we can be about what's happening in the world, because humanity always survives. Mm. And, and I'm curious if you know about artists, uh, whether they're filmmakers or in other mediums, who want to show us the world where that doesn't happen. And and I'm not a fatalist by any sense. And yet there is an acceptance or a surrender that you you spoke about that seems to be coming into play lately. About just doing what I do because that is what I do. Not with any expectation.
1: Something that happened to me personally recently and that is also kind of microcosm, microcosm, is I woke up a few months ago realizing how arrogant I had been to think I wasn't going to die. You know, there was a feeling of immortality and then of course because I'm, a, I'm aging and I've gone through this extraordinary initiation of menopause which is another thing I do is the dark the black tent for menopausal women it's, uh, it's quite extraordinary so to see menopause as, a, as an initiation into elderhood so I'm much more in touch with mortality and that in itself has increased my gratitude so I wonder if if we lean as a people, if we lean into death as a species, whether this gratitude, this praising for life, this feeling of grief because we love and we don't want to lose what we love, right? Because actually grief, grief, composting is, is love en- enhancing, you know, it's like, oh, I grieve because I love this earth, because I love that person that went. And we can grieve also because ancestral grief and all these different, that Francis Weller talks about in his Five Gates of Grief, and I'm working very closely with. So, interested in, I call them the four sisters, and it came as a vision. I was walking in the forest maybe a couple of years ago, and I saw these four characters, massive, sitting in the forest, it was meant to be the last forest. That's what the vision... was like a daydreaming. And I approached them and I asked them who they were. I introduced myself. And they were like a bit mossy and humans and woodland. I'm not quite sure. Very big, twice my size. And they introduced themselves as grief and love and death and rebirth. And they said, or I heard... We are the backbones of your existence, humans. And yet, you do not come anymore and sit with us. You do not weave conversations with us. You don't enter a relationship with us. There is nobody around the fire. <clears throat> so that really shook me and has mm-hmm. been also influencing my work. And the people I work with, especially yeah, one-on-one, like today, I had some work. We walked along the river with this lovely man, and he's scared of death. And we did a work of what happened if you lean into her. Death longs for us to be in conversation again. But as you know, in the Western world, it's the last thing we want to see aging death oh my goodness no way let's do lots of whatever and we're young forever and we're not dying and let me freeze my I don't know what they do something anything
0: we freeze everything
1: everything oh my god let's not die and we looked at the forest you know you took people to the forest we're still in a bit of winter here so you could see that all of life The daffodils, the snowdrops, the beautiful flowers, all come from death. So life was there, bursting from death. You know, and he touched soil and compost and humus. And and I said the word humus. Human. Mm. Humor. All this, we come from that. And he cried. And something healed, you know, something... He was reconnected. He had forgotten this relationship that he, we long for with death. Because death is such a great teacher. So that's what I'd like to say, is that if our civilization could lean a bit more into what's coming towards us, which is there's going to be a lot of death. Whether all of us, you know, let's face it. Let's just what what I'm saying, let, let's scale up, let's mature, let's not be surprised, let's not like going what I didn't know, we know, we've been told for 20, 40, it depends how far, we've been told, and now it's showing, now it's showing, we have 150 extinct species every day, even every time I say this word, I just kind of, it's. I can't bear it. So maybe we could die a little bit more mature. Probably we could,? you know. Like just a little bit more close to mystery and to what it is to be a human being. You know, I have glimpse, I'm sure you do. We have glimpses, don't we, when we're doing the right practice, when we lean towards the fears. We have a moment of glimpse of what it is to be a human being where we have a heart, wide open, tender, vulnerable, strong, in connection. Mwah. So that's what I'm getting up for. Mm. <laughs> I hope it makes any sense what I say. It
0: makes such <laughs> perfect
1: sense. So. Just as you following the kind of current.
0: <laughs> I, and I can still feel every time you talk about the longing, for death i i still feel something rise in me that says no no <laughs> and and that's like oh so what was that what you know, <laughs> let me choose to just notice that and where am, you know where am i in denial um, about my own mortality and what's going on in the world around us and uh, <sighs> mm I think, I feel there's so much in your work that no matter who we are, no matter what we believe, no matter what we subscribe to or ascribe to about what life is or what it means to be human, there, there is so much that we could all take away from this conversation <laughs> to bring into our stories about what's happening in the world. I just feel it's so rich and it's worth that pause, even if it's someone, I used to describe some people as they just go around and bouncing into walls. There's no sense of who they are or what they are or what their connection is. And granted that felt a little judgmental because I think we're all here and we're all at different levels of soul. And so some of us are meant to live our lives a certain way while others are not. I just think if we could all say, let me, let me just take a day out of my life and let me spend it by the water and let me spend it with a tree hmm. or, or let me stop being so busy and exhausted and just go out and look at the stars or sit outside, I, I think it would benefit all of us, not that we need it, because that suggests a deficit, but I think it would benefit all of us. What comes to mind, and I, so I feel I need to say it, is there was a woman on one of my recent walks. We went around a, a secret garden at an arboretum, and everything, for the most part, was still in its dormant stage. we was still in its, its death stage from autumn until winter, and there were a few things that you could touch and, and awaken the senses. There were lambs, ears, and thyme, and lavender, and not as strong as it would be in the summer. And yet still, the scent mm. was there. And one of the women said, you know, I'm a gardener, but I'm a three-season gardener. I rarely go into my backyard in the winter time mm. to connect with what's, what's, what's there. And winter is always um, from a directional uh, sense. It's seen as the north. The north is often seen as death. And so how many times do we not visit a garden in the winter time? <laughs> it's what's coming up for me. And that that says so much about us as humans and what, we, what we're willing to look at or about how we see our existence as
1: humans, hmm. It seems that we've created a world of summer, haven't we? It's summer, it's always, summer, summer, it's summer, always summer, summer, productivity, productivity, productivity summer, 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 summer. And it's exhausting and we all burn out. And, and winter, a lot of people are scared to go to winter. And, uh, you know, what I see is depression, sometimes that happens to people in the winter is a unfamiliarity, they're not familiar with being in a cave and reflection and dream state and composting the year and feeling our grief and feeling our exhaustion, you know, and it's a difficult one when it's so sudden and the lights are up, you know, I don't know if you live in a city, but I've just been into a city and it was like, whoa. The light is on all the time. So there is a, it's quite, it's quite, it's frazzled, isn't it? For our nervous system, it's really quite difficult for people living in cities. But what you said as well brought me back to, I don't know if you read a book years and years and years ago called One Year to Live by Stephen Levine.
0: No, I haven't.
1: He wrote it for cancer patients and then, then he wrote it for people like us and, We had groups all over the world at the time, it was like 25 years ago or something, that did it. Like we work, we we did our lives, we tried for a year. If we had a year left, would our life be the same? Would we make the same choices? Would we do what we're doing? So, And we woke up to the fact that actually, no, we live our life like we have all the time in the world, da-da-da-da. So, you know, to put your house into order, to make amends with people you broke broke up with or hurt or harmed or following your deepest longing, you know. Yes, I, I have always dreamt of playing violin. Well, do it now, you know, or planting a garden or going to, you know, I don't know. So that's what I'm inviting in a way is... The message of water gave us five years, two years ago. So we are on the three-year now to wake up, to, to all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, as you said twice or three times, you said, there's nothing to lose in some ways. Let's imagine we have three years to live. And let's imagine it's not the truth. You know, we might have three million years to live. However, the life can only be enhance by living our lives, like if we only had three years. I really, really, really believe that to be true. And I think if we look at it, it would realign, what I sense is it would realign us to our soul, uh, to our soul purpose, our soul longing, to the current of this. It would give us much more vitality. And the worst nightmare for me is to die dead. You know, I, I, to not having lived my life, and I think it's the fear of many people. It's one of the greatest grief I see in my circle. Is people think feel they cannot, they're gonna, they're gonna die before living, and also they're not even gonna die well because we don't know how to die. So it's a really scary place. It's like no woman land, no man land, no nothing land. It's like what. I feel excited in a weird way, okay? <laughs> Weirdest way, I can feel that. <laughs> but I can only see beauty and vitality and aliveness in living, like if we really had little times. And giving it away, giving this life away for the thriving of life. I am Really, I cannot see anything more beautiful right now. You know, who knows? And all the little beings that I've ever been attentive to seem to give their lives away for the thriving of life. Bees, trees, every being, they give their lives away so life can be enhanced. So I would love that to be us. You know. Mm -hmm. Me too. I feel that. Yeah. So we don't need to panic, I think. We can if we want to about the state of our world. We can, and we can be really angry, and we can be all sorts of things. And there is a possibility of making whatever's left a true gift. Yeah. That feels so complete. It does, doesn't it? It
0: does. It really it does. <laughs> okay, that's it.
1: <laughs> I am so grateful for this conversation. Oh, I feel full and enriched and like warm honey and mm, delish. <laughs> I,
0: I, I do too. It, it, it just feels, um, and I appreciate that rather than me asking questions, which I don't really do a lot. I <laughs> have conversations that we were able to simply express and then stop and let the other express and stop and that we had such a rich conversation Yes, uh, in, in doing so. So thank you for that. Lots of gratitude. Thank,
1: thank you, Linda. Thank you so much, really. And bless you.
0: Oh, bless you too. It was my honor and my privilege to spend this time with you. And I want our listeners to know that they can find you at <laughs> soulland.org. You know, I just think it's important because there are so many things that we have yet to touch on. And I think if this doesn't create curiosity in the listener, they should go to your website because there is something there that will. But I can't imagine that this wouldn't create curiosity in any living human, human being as <laughs> if there's breath, there's, there's so much to receive from, from this. So to our listeners, thank you so much for being here. As always, please support the guests who are on the program and doing this compassionate, sustainable work in the world. I always like to leave you with whenever you go out in the world to please create conversations that awaken, inspire, and activate. Until next time.